morning. Let's stand up and give God some praise this morning, this wonderful Sunday morning. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord and praise Him. It's always good to praise Him and worship Him at home. In your quiet time, that's awesome. I do it. Everybody should do it. But it's something about coming together with, un with other believers and just coming together in one accord, worshiping the King corporately. It's an amazing thing. So let's do it this morning.
Aren't you glad that we have victory in this place this morning? Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath you could ever breathe. Live for you. Live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you.
Let's tell him he's holy. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Thank you, Father. You are holy God, wonderful and mighty in all your ways. God, when you step into this place, Father, everything changes. When you step into the room, God, when you step into this place, God, and the atmosphere changes, our hearts have to change. When the presence, when your presence fills the room, something has to happen. There's power when you step in, Father. So come 
Father, we're hungry for you. Satisfied the longing in my soul when all is lost and hope is dry, when all I feel is cold, I'm coming back to your presence. I'm coming back to your presence. There's a says that there's a hunger and there's a thirst for more of him it says i am hungry i am thirsty i am desperate for him but there's people that are not standing where you're at in this place standing by your seat begin to look at yourself look inward and say am i hungry for him
As soon as we began to sing this song, it was just going through my head and there was all these things was going on in here. But And the Holy Spirit says, are you hungry for me? Are you truly hungry? Because, you know, my mind was going on all these different songs and what I'm going to sing and what I'm about to sing and what we're going to sing next and all these other things and how to get them going. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he says, you just said you're hungry for me. You're hungry for me. Are you hungry for me? Or are you just playing a song? And so that's what I was going through. And he said, and, said, and it, so give you a little insight into what gold is on in our heads up here. But and the Holy Spirit says, you're singing a song, but you're not even listening to the words that you're singing. So this morning that you're standing right there, just begin to look at yourself. Am I just singing these words that are on this screen or am I really hungry for him? Because he says, those that hunger and thirst after him shall be filled. He's not holding it back from you because he's just a mean God and doesn't want to give more of himself to you. It's because something's in your heart and something's in your life that you're not even meaning what you're saying. So let's at this moment right now where we're standing, just begin to just, we're going to play instrumentally for a little bit. And you, I just want you just to, to just contemplate what that is. Say, I'm hungry. What would I do if I'm hungry for something? What would I say if I'm hungry for something? What would I, what actions would I take if I'm truly hungry for something? And then it becomes worship. Then it becomes praise. Other than that, it's just a song that we like to sing. It doesn't become worship until you meet it from your heart. If it's just head knowledge, if it's just lip service, even if you're lifting your hands, but your mind is wandering off to other places because it's emotion that you're used to, it's not worship yet. So right now, as we begin to play, just begin to worship Him. Just begin to praise Him. Just begin to glorify Him put everything else aside what you're going to do today this afternoon what you're going to do tomorrow at work what you're going to do this week what happened last week whatever financial problems that you're having whatever uh even ailments sicknesses and things put all those things aside and just get into the presence of god and tell him god i'm hungry for you he'll take care of those other things when you come into the presence of the king so let's just worship him and the thirst I am desperate, immerse me, I'm not waiting, not anymore, I need Do you need him this morning, or do you think you can make it on your own? He'll get you into a spot that you can't do it anymore. He'll get you into a spot that you can't. You think it's the devil. It's him putting you in a spot that, hey, you've been doing it on your own for this long. And you think you're okay. And you think you can do it on your own in your own strength. No, you need to be in a spot where you need him.
is a hung and a thirst. Oh, immerse me I'm not waiting Not anymore I need you, Lord I need you, Lord Sweep me away
this world you can have of this world cause I don't want anyone else I don't need anything else you are my one you are my one and I don't want anyone else I don't need anything else. You are my one thing. You are my one thing. And I don't want anyone else. I don't need anything else. You are my one thing. You are my one thing. I don't want anyone else. someone yesterday they were looking for a part for something and somebody told them of a website said if it's been made they'll have a copy of it they'll have a replacement part you can get it and I don't remember what the website was or anything and um, but the last couple songs that we sang indicated that you can get something someplace else but you have to make the choice that he's the only thing you want the only one you want we say I don't want anyone else that means I can get someone else I don't need anything else I can replace with something else I mean the, if we go back and look at the words for the last two or three songs it's all about a choice a decision of who's going to be that one person that one thing David said one thing well I desire that I desire of the Lord and that's the thing I'm going to seek after to see the beauty of the Lord in his temple I mean that that has to be a choice that has to be a decision that we make on a regular basis because the enemy wants to come in and bring substitutions you know we live in a world of substitutions you can you can buy a copy of something and it may look as good and I'm not, I'm not here to talk about that, but I'm just saying, but when it comes to Jesus, there is no one else. There's no one. There's, no, there's not even one that, you know, comes 90% closer. There's no one like him in all of the heavens, all of the earth, ever was, ever is, ever shall be. There's no one like him. I was made aware a couple days ago of some missionaries in certain parts of the country I'm not even going to mention 
uh, certain countries, let me put it that way, that are in very, very, very dangerous situations right now because of internal strife and civil wars and things that are going on. There's efforts at way to try and extract these people without harm to them. You know, one thing that we believe in is prayer. And we know that God hears and we know that God answers. And you have to have the two together, right? Because there's a lot of people say, well, I think God hears, but I don't know that he answers. Well, just last, last Sunday, what did we pray for? We prayed for the missions team in Mexico that were coming back and they were coming to the border. Last time they went, it took like all day and then some to get across. So we play, prayed, what did we pray? Anybody remember? God, they would have favor and they would quickly be able to get across. And shortly right after church, we get a text message. They crossed in 30 minutes. Praise I'm God. telling Thank you, I've, I've been to countries all over the world. You don't get through borders in 30 minutes, especially when you have a van load full of adults and kids and the dragging a trailer. Man, they want to know what's on you, what's in your package, what's in your suitcases and everything else. 30 minutes and they were through. Amen. How many of you believe God can do that for these missionaries who have put their lives on the line, their families are on the line, and, and you say, well, if God can do that, why can't he just protect them? Sometimes we have to use wisdom. You have to see what's happening. Because the things that are happening in natural, many times there's a spiritual thing that's going on behind it. So can we take a few minutes and just pray? God knows who these missionaries are. He knows what countries they're in. There's several of them right now. And they're trying, we, they need God's heavenly protection. I remember hearing a story of a missionary. He said, these robbers came and stopped them on the trail where they were at. And they said, give us all everything you have. And they knew, they said, the minute we gave them everything, they were gonna kill us. And all of a sudden they just stopped and their eyes got big and they got scared and they ran away. And, and, and they didn't know what had happened. And they later on found out that somebody had told him, he says, he says, because he said, those men came out of the darkness and were standing behind you and there's more of them than there was of us. And they said, what are you talking about? He says, all those men dressed in white came and stood behind you. And we knew we couldn't rob you. God did that. God brought the angels down and let them see him. So let's pray right now for these missionaries. Can we do that right now? I mean, in earnest, if this was your family trying to get out, how would you be praying? Let's pray right now. Father, in Jesus' name, you know the internal strife in the nations where these missionaries are. And you know what's going on, Lord God. You know the clear and present danger that there is. And Father, they have gone knowing that it may cost their lives but Father, we're praying for divine intervention in their hearts and in, I mean in their lives, Lord God. That God, you would give wisdom and favor even to the enemy who's trying to destroy them. God, cause them to allow them to pass through. We read, we read in the book of Acts, Peter was in jail and God, he just passed through the guards and he went right outside the city, Lord God. Many times uh, Paul was in a jail and God, you, you sent an angel and he, he, he came out, Lord God. You're able to do that. What you've done before, you're able to do again. And so we just pray, Lord God, for safe passage for these missionaries, their families, Lord God. 
And that, Father, that, God, you would open doors, doors to preach the gospel, even in nations that are closing right now, filled with strife. If there was ever a place that needs light, it's the place of darkness. And we just pray this in the name of Jesus, and we give you all the glory for it. Amen and amen, amen. Why don't you just turn and greet someone in the name of the Lord this morning. So tell them high five, give them a high five, a hello, a hug, whatever you want to do. That's cool. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Good morning, good morning, good morning. What a beautiful day. It's beautiful out right now. I mean, for Louisiana, this is nice weather, right? I mean, come on. Oh, wow. I, I mean, I woke up Friday morning, it was 50-something degrees. Woke up Saturday, it was 50-something degrees. I said, this is unheard of in Louisiana, I think, at this time of year. And uh, But anyway, we're glad that you're here. If you're here for the first time, or as somebody told me a couple weeks ago, I didn't say anything because I hadn't been here in a long, 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 long time. Well, if it's been that long, you're here for the first time as far as we're concerned. And we'd like to know who you are and just reach out to you and let you know of things that are happening. We're not going to bombard you with a lot of text messages, but you can just text uh, welcome to 337-317-4123 and, and you'll get a response. And if you ask, we ask you to just fill out that information for us so we can have that and update our database and all. And if you are here for the second time or more than sec two times or you're here regularly, would you let us know that you're here? You know, some, it's so hard to keep up with people. We're such a mobile society today and people coming and going and the jobs and everything. We want to know if you're here. So you can, you can just type the word connect to the same phone number that's up on the screen. And that way you can let us know, hey, I was there that Sunday, Pastor Bob. And then if you have a prayer need, again, we believe in prayer. And we have a prayer team, prayer ministry team that believes in prayer. will pray with you, not for you, but with you. We believe that we should agree with you in prayer. You can text the word PRAY to 337-317-4123. doesn't matter where you're from. Uh, we'll pray with you and just believe God to answer prayer. And look, when he answers, would you let us know? Let us know. I mean, so we want to rejoice. We want to celebrate how God answered those prayers. Um, on May 7th, in two weeks, right? Two weeks. Is that right? Yeah, two weeks. My, my calendar in my head just went blank. Um, is normally what we call fellow, uh, our, our annual family day. Um, it's a fun, family fun day, but uh, we're going we're gonna to expand that a little bit, and we're just going to call it a, a celebration day. And, um, and because, you know, some people may say, well, I'm not part of a family, or I'm by myself, or I'm whatever. No, we're just celebrating the things that God is doing. And so on that, on that Sunday, we're, we have so many things that we're going to be doing. I mean, um, just a few weeks ago, a number of our young people competed in fine arts at the state level. And um, we are going to showcase those individuals, uh, for everything from playing instruments, singing, puppetry, 
preaching, artwork, I mean, and we have a number of them that have qualified to go to the national competition in Ohio this summer. So, yeah, so we want you to know who did what and, and, and just highlight them and celebrate with them what God is doing for them. Several of them, it was their very first time doing it. And, and we're, it's just it's fantastic. And then... Um, all year long, most of the year, we have a group called Junior Bible Quiz. And these young people, they, they study the scriptures. I'm talking about young people, man. And, and uh, they study those scriptures, and they have contests with other teams and churches. And they've got the buzzers on the table. You know, got to hit it. Got to answer it exactly right. And if they miss one word, it doesn't count. Well, we've got a group that went to state. Well, I don't want to blow it. You've got to hear what happened. We want to celebrate with them. And then we have some seniors that are graduating from high school, and we want to celebrate that with them. And then uh, we've got, uh, let's see, a team that just came back from um, missions work, and a bunch of them want to share testimonies, short testimonies of what God did down there, what God did through them, to them, spoke to them, used them, how many of you think that would be awesome to hear? Testimonies of how God touched their lives, right? And I'm telling you, I used to take mission teams of teenagers all over the world for almost 15, 16 years for the state. And many of those people are now full-time missionaries or they're in the ministry in some capacity. Others are filled in churches and they're serving in their church because they found out what it was to go out of the country and serve. And that's what missions is. It's not about vacation. It's serving. Look, they come back exhausted. <laughs> and uh, um, I mean, when they got off the van, they were all jumping and screaming and yelling. But I heard on the way home, half of them didn't even make it home before they crashed. You know? So we're going we're gonna to hear those testimonies. And then I've had a few people over the last few months ask about getting water baptized. They've never been water baptized. They've given their life to Christ. They want to be water baptized. This is your opportunity. We want to do it that day. There's a sign-up sheet out in the lobby. Had it there last week. It disappeared. I don't know what. All that stuff on the table got moved around. It's back out there again. So if you want to be water baptized, and that would be the day to do it. We're going to do it that day. And then after that, after all of that celebrating the goodness of God, we'll have some worship and everything else. But afterwards, we're going to go outside and, and, and there'll be burgers and other food and stuff like that, water slides for the kids, canopies will be set up, tables, all of that. So there's some sign-up sheets out there for those who want to serve in different capacities on that day, but it's free. It doesn't cost you anything. We, we just want you to come and enjoy that time together. It's a great day to bring a friend. You just tell them free food. Two words, free food. That works, right? Or if they have kids, tell them water slides, you know, and free food, you know, because if you say water slides, the parents go, oh, no. Then you go, but free food. So, that, you know, four words, you've got them hooked, all right? And that's a great day to bring somebody. So we'll hope that you'll come and be a part of that. Uh, we want to remind you and thank you for your faithfulness in giving. We have four different ways that you can give. We have boxes, boxes on the back wall, envelopes in the chairs, or on the boxes that you can fill out. We have a Tithely app. You can fill that out. Uh, we have a text to give, and you can also go to our website and give that way. And we thank you for your faithfulness 
in giving. Amen. Uh, and we got a message this morning that I'm, I'm just been burning in my heart, and it came about by a strange way uh, for me, at least. You, I don't know. Have you ever woke up with like one scripture on your mind, or a verse, or something that someone said on your mind, and every day it's there, it's there, it's there, it's there, it's there, and 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 I kept going back to Numbers chapter ten, and there's a verse in chapter ten that really came to my focus. And so I preached on it many times, uh, chapter 10, but there's a verse there I want to go to. And, and uh, let me just read it to you first. It says this. When you, this is God speaking to the Israelites. He said, when you go into battle in your own land, that's important, because it's, Remember, they wandered for 40 years, and they didn't have any land. Then God says, I'm going to bring you into the land. And he says, but when you go into battle in your own land against an enemy who is oppressing you. Okay, now, this is already, I could stop right here. Some of you are going, whoa, whoa, whoa. You did, I mean, you just had a V8 moment. I mean, the Holy Spirit just did that. When you go into your land against an enemy who is oppressing you. I could just preach on that one verse. When you come into the promises and things that God wants for you, there's going to be enemies, spiritual enemies. But look what it says. It says, sound a blast on the trumpets. And then you will be remembered by the Lord. Not that God has forgotten, but God has made a covenant. I talked about that last week. He said, then you will be remembered by the Lord your God and rescued from your enemies. Amen. This is an incredible thing. God says, I will remember you. And so the title is, he knows our name. I, I, I first I was doing it, he knows your name. But can I say, this spoke to me. So I changed it to our, because I'm part of our. <laughs> if I'm just going, he knows your name, <laughs> I'm kind of up here like, where do I fit? I want to be down there. So I just changed it, took the one letter off, it changed the whole meaning. He knows our name. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, we celebrated... Resurrection Sunday, and we talked about the resurrection of Jesus. And, I, and, and so when I, this verse kind of took me back to the resurrection of Jesus. And you might think, well, that's kind of weird. But as Christians, we live in the expectation of resurrection. And we have that expectation. We have that hope. We have that assurance because of the very of a very special resurrection, okay? In the Old Testament, there may have been more, but there were at least three times where people were raised from the dead. The prophet Elijah raised the son of the widow of Zarephath in 1 Kings 17. Uh, Elisha, his, his understudy who took over after him, Elisha raised the son of a Shunammite woman in 2 Kings chapter 4. 
Um, there was also a man who died, and they took his body and threw it in the grave, uh, uh, into a grave where Elisha's bones were. And it touched his bones, and the man came back to life. I mean, there's at least three times, okay, in, in this Old Testament. There may be more. In the New Testament, we have several examples of people being raised from the dead. Probably the most famous is Lazarus in John chapter 11. Uh, also, one that's often overlooked is that when Jesus died on the cross... And he said, it is finished. The Bible says there was a great earthquake. The veil of the temple was torn. And many graves opened up of, of the saints, those who have died before. Many graves opened up, but no one came forth until Jesus was resurrected. Because the Bible says he is the first fruit of the resurrected. He was the first one to be done. And that's in Matthew 27. And when you get to the book of Acts, Peter raised a woman from the dead in Acts chapter 9. And Acts 26 and 8, the apostle Paul is speaking before King Agrippa. And he makes this statement to him. He said, why should it be thought incredible by, incredible by you that God raises the dead. He speaks to me. He says, why would you think this is so incredible? I mean, he's, he's preached a message before the king. He's, he's pleaded his case. He goes, why should you think that this is so incredible? In fact, Paul not only spoke about this from his encounter with the Lord. Remember on the road to Damascus, he heard the voice and he was blinded and he went to another man's house and three days later, Ananias comes, lays hands on him, scales fall from his eyes. He comes to know the Lord, and we learn later that he, he spent time with the Lord. Jesus personally taught him the, the scriptures. But in Acts chapter 20, verses 7 through 12, Paul raises a, a, a young man named Eutychus from the dead. You know why? Paul's preaching. He's leaving the next morning, so he's trying to get in as much as he can to those early believers and he's preaching, and the Bible says he's preaching a long time, and it's past midnight. And, and the guy, Eutychus, is asleep in the windowsill of the building, and there ain't no glass holding him in. It's just, you know, that's, the air's got to come in. And he falls asleep, and the Bible says he falls three stories and dies. If you preach that long... You better be ready to raise the dead. <laughs> Come on now. And Paul goes out and covers the body, and all of a sudden, Eutychus gets up, and everybody goes, Whoa. And you say, Does it say that? No, I just know. I mean, what would you do if you saw that? Whoa, right? I mean, he gets up, and the Bible says that he goes home. He's fine. I mean, and there may be more examples of, of where Jesus, people were raised from the dead. In other words, it's no big deal for God to raise the dead. It's, and, and God raising the dead is not incredible. He created everything in the first place, right? So, I mean, for him to hold it together and then to, if it perishes, he could raise it back up again. In fact, he told his disciples, Jesus told his disciples, don't marvel about this. Don't marvel about it. Because in John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29, it says, do not marvel at this. For the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth. He tells us, we're not to marvel about it. Because 
believing that God is able to raise the dead is not like the impossible, it's the normal. God is able to raise the dead. So the resurrection of Jesus, okay, so we, all these people were raised from the dead, but the resurrection of Jesus, there are things that I, in the last week and a half or so that I've been studying that I, I, I personally never grabbed hold of it, never wrapped my head around it. It was an incredible thing that he did. It was a marvelous thing that he did. It was unique because of what the resurrection of Jesus signifies. I've studied that. And I, I've known that. But there was some other things there. It wasn't just a demonstration of the miraculous power of God. It was the demonstration of the approval of God upon the life of his son, Jesus Christ. It was an approval of what he did that he fulfilled what he had been called to do, what he had been sent to do. In fact, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead was a statement that the redemption of lost sinners was now complete. It was finished. Oh, we're, we're aware of when Jesus on the cross said that, right? In John chapter 19, verse 30, he goes, it is finished. And the Bible says he bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. And people think that that's where it was finished. But no, the complete, the redemption of the lost sinner of each and every one of us was finalized, completed, stamped, notarized by God, if I can put it that way, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The penalty had been paid, but the resurrection of the dead, the lost, having new life was not complete until Jesus came out of the grave. His resurrection was the permanent turning on of the light in darkness. And the darkness fled at the speed of light. Charles Spurgeon, who's often considered the, the prince of preaching in, in his day, okay? He, he, he talked about the resurrection. I came across this reading of his, and I said, man, there's some powerful thoughts in there. Rather than me try to explain it, I'm just going to put it up on the screen so you can read along with me. He's talking about the resurrection of Jesus. He said, but it was more than a miracle of power for all the attributes of God united their glory in the resurrection of Christ. God's love came there and opened those closed eyes, his delight, bejeweled those deadly wounds, his wisdom set in motion that pierced heart. Divine justice claimed his loosing from the grave and mercy smiled as she lit up his face with an immortal smile. I never thought of that. Can you imagine that resurrection morning? The first thing Jesus does is open his eyes and smile. <laughs> Oh, Father, this is going to be good. So it says, it says, and then he, oh, wow. There and then did Jehovah make all his glory to pass before us. See, the Bible says that Moses said one time, he said, I want to see your glory. God said, you can't do it. 
Look at my glory, you'll die. He said, God puts them in the cleft of the rock. And what does God do? He says, I'll put my hand over the cleft of the rock and, and, and I'll put you back there. And, and all you'll be able to see is the light that pierces through my hand. And God passed by. And if it was at the speed of light, that's 186,000 miles per second. But when he passed by, God declared his name to Moses. And so he's, he's talking here. He says that when Jesus Christ rose from the dead, there and then did God make all of his glory pass before us and he proclaimed the name of the Lord. See, that's the reference that he's talking about. But look at this. He says, if you ask where God's glory is most seen, I will not point to creation nor to providence, but to the raising of Jesus from the dead. See, death still had power over all whom God had previously raised from the dead. They still had to face that cold hand of death. But when Jesus rose, it was a permanent resurrection. He never would die again. In Romans chapter 6, verse 9, look what it says. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again, death has no further dominion over him. I looked it up in different translations, and I loved the way New, English, New Living Translation said it this way. We are sure of this because... We are sure of what? We're sure of our resurrection because Christ was raised from the dead and he will no longer die again and death no longer has any power over him. How many of you like a sure thing? A guaranteed thing. I mean, it's a done deal, right? That's what he's saying. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he'll never die again. There are really no words to adequately express the significance of an empty tomb. I've been to Israel a few times, and each time you go to the tomb, I will go back now. I want to just picture Jesus laying there and all of a sudden opening his eyes and smiling and going, oh yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. See, death could not hold him. I was thinking of that song, we sing that, death could not hold him. And, and, and it says, because the power of death was completely diffused at that moment. It was like pulling the plug on something, right? I mean, the power is cut off. You pull the plug, the power is cut off. It was, death was rendered useless. The enemy was defeated. The flag of victory was raised forever over the grave. Romans 8 and 11 says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also, say also, will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. His victory is our victory. Not going to be, is already. It is now. You can take my life and the minute you do, I pass into glory. Paul said, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. It's a win-win. The apostle Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 15, 55. He says, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? Let's go back to the resurrection. Try and picture the, the emotions that gripped Mary uh, Magdalene in the garden. 
Remember, she comes to the tomb and the tomb's empty and she thinks somebody stole his body and she sees a man in the garden and she thinks he's the gardener, right? And so imagine all of a sudden coming to the tomb thinking you're going to anoint the body and, and, and all of a sudden the body's gone and, and the one who had set you free, remember she had, the Bible says she had had demons in her and she was set free. She loved Jesus so much she'd come and now his body's gone. She thinks somebody stole his body. Imagine the emotional roller coaster she's going through. She's dealing with the de his death to start with, but at least she's trying to put closure on it by anointing his body. And when she gets there, the grave's open, the body's gone. And now she's like, can it get any worse? And she sees a man nearby and thinks he's the gardener. And she goes up and says, please tell me where he's at. Tell me who took his body. I need closure on this. I Help me. And then all of a sudden, she hears one word. One word. And that word was her name. There's an old saying that says the sweetest word to anybody's ear is the sound of their name. It is unless you're in trouble. You know, when, when, when I was a younger person, young child, and I heard Robert Henry Zanini, I knew I might not see my next birthday. Anytime Henry came out, I was in trouble. But Jesus said one word, Mary. And the Bible says in that moment, when he said Mary to her, she saw him. Not as a gardener, her eyes were open to who he was. And she fell at his feet and he, she went to grab him and he said, don't touch me yet for I've not yet ascended. Go and tell my disciples, I'll be back. I've got a few th things left to do and I don't have time to get into what he was doing. But it was his voice and her name I would imagine after she had been delivered of those demons, how many times he had called her name. And she knew his name. Lazarus, that story in John 11. The Bible says he was in the grave four days. Jesus had been told earlier that Lazarus was sick. Come and heal him because he's going to die. Jesus waits four days. If you're waiting four days for a hospital visit and you got the call, you better be ready to raise the dead. And Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death. It's, not, it's, it, there's, it's for God's glory. His disciples didn't understand it. They get there. You know, his, his, daughter, his sisters come out and they go, if you'd been here, Rabbi, you know, he would not have died. He'd go through the whole thing. He said, do you believe in who I am? He said, I am the resurrection and the life. And then he goes and proves it. And he tells them, roll the stone away. And of course, you know, in the normal. This is the thing we have to understand. Jesus dealt with normal people. And then they said, Lord, by now he stinks. You know why Jesus waited four days? Because in, in Hebraic custom was that they believed that in death, the spirit of a person stays for three days. And there's a chance or a possibility that maybe the spirit would come back into that person. 
So Jesus waits four days to remove that idea out of their minds. And then Jesus goes and he makes them roll the stone away and he stands before the tomb and what does he say? Lazarus, come forth. And, and there's his name. He, and he had called Lazarus' his name many times because the Bible says that on the way to Jerusalem, he would stop through there. He would stop by there and he would eat dinner there and they would prepare for him. And, and, and so Lazarus knew his name, heard his name called too. I heard, some of you know this, but they said the reason that he called Lazarus is because if he had stood before the tomb and just said, come forth, every grave would have opened up. And there's going to be a day when he calls that. And the Bible says, Lazarus, come forth. And here he come. He was bound in, in grave clothes. And God delivers him and sets him free. It was the voice of the Savior calling his name that set him free from the grave. And this thought kept coming into my head. He knows our name. He knows it. He knows our name, not because we deserve it, not because we've earned recognition, not because we have done anything to justify it. It's because of his name's sake. You're saying, well, what do you mean? In Psalms 106, verse 1, 6 through 8, and then verse 12, look what it says. Now picture yourself, this is what it says. We have sinned, even our fathers did. How many of you fit that class, right? We have sinned, even our fathers did. We have done wrong, other hand, and acted wickedly. And then it goes on, it says, when our fathers were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. They did not remember your many kindnesses. And they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Does this sound like you're going to gain favor with anyone? You've murmured against him. You've griped and complained. You've, you've, you've ignored the miracles. You've ignored everything that he did. You sinned. You've done wickedly. And, and the Bible says in verse 8, yet he saved them. He saved them for his name's sake. I want you to see that this morning. He saved them for his name's sake, to make known his mighty power, to make his mighty power known. He did it for that reason. And then verse 12 says this, then they believed his promises and sang his praise. See, he, he didn't say, if you want to be saved, you got to learn to sing and, my prom and, and praise me and worship me. He said, no. He said, we've done wickedness. We've done evil. We've sinned. We, our fathers did. We, we've got no right, no nothing that qualifies us. And yet, he says, he saved them. And then they believed his promises. And then they sang his praise. How many of you, that fits your bill? He came whether you, you didn't deserve it. You, there was, he, he saved you anyway for his namesake. You say, well, what does that mean? I looked it up, and the word there means on account of his purpose. He saved you for his namesake. He saved you on account of his purpose, okay? That goes right along with Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. It says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those of who? 
of him, uh, for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to what? His purpose. So God's working for us because of his namesake, because of his purposes, okay? How incredible is it to know that God knows us as we are and still loves us that much? Come on. Nobody in this room has it all together. No one. And that he is able to work all things in our lives for good, for his purpose, his name's sake. How can that we be sure of that? Now, I, I don't want to get in the weeds on this, so I'm going to briefly go through this real quick. It's because of the constance of God. The constance. And you're saying, what does that mean, the constance? Well, do we have any mathematicians in this room? I don't want to embarrass myself. <laughs> I was told by a person who attended a church I pastored one time, there is a difference between mathematics and arithmetic. I said, okay. And they said, just like numbers and stuff is arithmetic. Mathematics is high equations. And I said, well, all I need to know at the end of the month is does my checkbook balance. <laughs> I don't need a X equals Y equals this. I need to know, does it balance, right? Come on now. And so, so I'm not a mathematician, but I, I do remember this from school. And, and so I looked it up. Constants are in mathematics. There are in other things too, but especially mathematics. And, and, and it's found as an adjective and a noun. And as an adjective, it refers to something that has no variance whatsoever. An example is an unchanging with respect to something else. In other words, like if you do a mathematical equation, x plus uh, uh, y equals whatever, okay? What is x? Or x plus 7 is whatever. The x is the unknown, but the, the 7 is the constant there. I mean, it's always that plus this or times this or whatever, right? So in, in other words, whatever it is, there's, there's, a, there's a part that's unchanging in there. It's a fixed, well-defined number that doesn't change because you enter a different number into the equation, okay? That's pretty easy to understand. But as a noun, it actually has two different definitions. And one is this, that it's a fixed, well-defined number or other non-changing mathematical object. It's a function whose value remains unchanged, okay? I mean, so it, the point is simply this. There's, there, there it, the constant is something that cannot and never changes. You got it? The constant is that part which never changes, I may introduce something else into the equation, but the constant stays the same. The constants of God. What are you talking about? How about his love? His love. The Bible, it, it does, the Bible doesn't say he loves. The Bible says he is love. He doesn't love in degrees. He loves totally. Because he is love. 
I used to think that I had to earn God's love. I tried to earn my father's favor growing up as a child. The only time I got recognition was when I did wrong. I carried that over into my relationship with God. But his constant is love. How unfortunate it is for people who see God as judgmental. God is love. Another constant. His past is the prophecy of his future. Think about that. What he's done in the past, he speaks to his future. Because he cannot change. The Bible says, I am the Lord your God, I change not. That's the constant of God, okay? Another one, he will always be what he's always been. There's not something that's going to be introduced accidentally into the equation. Boy, I don't know about you, but the last few weeks I've been listening to reading articles and listening to podcasts and stuff about AI. And man, it is scaring some of the the, the most intelligent people on the earth. And I mean, if that's all you listen to, it's, it's kind of creepy. I read an article the other day, the other person, and, and the person put this on their computer and they typed in this and says, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this to you. And AI reported back and said, well, here's what I can do to you. And, I, and, and it was a list this long. They said, I can, I can falsify arrest reports. I can do this. 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 And then and, and they had several high, well-known people check it, and they said, presently it's able to do that, and it's evolving even higher. And I was like, wow! <laughs> and I said, but you know what? God is a constant. What he's always been, he'll always be. He's not going to change because something else came into the equation. And I want to tell you, God knew AI was coming. I just want to tell you, all the stuff that's going on in the world, God knew it. Before the beginning, he already knew the end. How many of you think that's worth knowing? <laughs> he doesn't live to confuse us. He, he, he's, we don't have to fear him. He will always do what he's always done. He is always faithful. Whether you are, whether I am, is not a variable. He never changes. He's faithful. And, and I don't know about you, but I have a hard time with that sometimes. Because I look at the mirror and I don't like what I see. And I say, God, I'm not worthy of that. And in the back of my mind, the devil's going, yeah, you sure not. But God says, I love you. I have a purpose for you. I've placed my spirit in you. I'm working my work. I didn't start this to quit halfway through. He who is able, he is able to do and to what? Come on. Exceedingly great things, right? He is able to, to do it and complete it. He'll finish it. He's not a quitter. He's not going to throw in the towel halfway through and say, I made a mess. This is a mess. I'm walking away from it. He knows our name. 
Psalms 138 and 2 says, For you have magnified your word above your name. God has magnified his word above all of his name. He's given his name the backing of his word, if I can put it that way. For his name's sake, we read it earlier. Let's look at this real quick. He restores and he guides us, Psalms 23. He forgives, Psalms 25 and 11. He protects because of his namesake. He does all of these things. He delivers. He, he goes on, he says, he deals with us fairly. He goes on, he says, he reveals his glory to us. We go on, it says, he preserves our life. Go on and it says that he bestows grace in spite of sin. He goes on, it says, he remembers his promise. He goes on, it says, he works through us. And we go on, he says, he rewards us. And we go on and it says, he calls us. He, he, because of his namesake, he does all these things and he's not going to change because of the constants of God and his namesake. He knows our name. In this day and age, there has to be a constant. And nothing is like God. Nothing is like Jesus. Nothing is like Holy Spirit. Those three in one will never change. His message never changes. His love never changes. His faithfulness never changes. His mercy is always there. His compassions, they fail not. Child of God, you who are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, you're born again of the Spirit of God. Listen to me. Through the future seems uncertain. And though we cannot know what tomorrow will bring, though we are powerless to actually craft our future, we need not fear, for he knows our name. I want you to walk out of here today with confidence and assurance that no matter what you're facing, no matter what comes up, no matter what comes your way, he knows your name. He knows it. I, 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 last night I, I came in and I sat down for a few minutes before going to bed and I was thinking about this. And all of a sudden, I remembered the words, the chorus, to that old Bill, Gaith, Bill and Gloria Gaither song, He Lives. The chorus of it. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives. I was going to put the words on the screen, but I thought, nah, let's just do it right.
Hallelujah. I'm telling you, as a born-again, blood-bought, spirit-filled follower of Jesus Christ, we need to live each day knowing the truth that he knows our name. He doesn't change. He's not going to forsake us. He's called us to be a part of his family. He calls us to live with purpose in his kingdom, with his purposes here on earth. He's called you by name. He knows your name. And I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray for you. You may be here today and you've never truly surrendered your life to Jesus Christ. You've gone to church. You've gone through religious things. You may know enough of the Bible just to be a little dangerous. But I want to tell you, you were created in His image and likeness for a purpose. A purpose that's beyond anything that you can ever imagine on your own. gave you a name I'm going to tell you this real quick my granddaughter Elena is not here this morning she's competing at a dance competition in New Orleans her name is Elena which means help me Justin I forget it's like gift of God life of God something very like gift of God but she has a nickname she's had several growing up but she's got has one that's stuck and that's Bodena I don't even know how that came up it got started I mean she was called potato she was called all kinds of little nicknames but then I don't know Amanda did you start that oh my wife okay my wife's here thinking she's here today She's been sick for a couple weeks. She started calling her Bondana. Boy, that stuck. So the other day when she was in Mexico, she had her birthday, her 18th birthday. So I went to text her and sent her a message and said, Happy birthday, Bodana. And I said, How do you spell Bodana? I don't think, how are you going to look up a nickname, right? So I did a search. And you're not going to believe this. It said, Bodana is a name from Russian origin that means gift of God. I said, who knew that? I didn't know that. I thought it was a silly nickname. I, I told her that the other day. She said, no way. I said, I can show it to you. I printed it up with the reference and the link and everything. She said, Russian? I said, Russians are loved by God. <laughs> I said, anybody named Bodana? It means gift to you. Wow. And, and this, I can think of, he knows our name. He knows your nickname. Come on now. He has something unique for you you've never surrendered to God maybe you've prayed a prayer and said Jesus I give you my life but you really never surrendered he has something incredible
your life to Jesus and you're ready for someone to pray with you, I'm not going to embarrass you. Just slip your hand. Just raise it. Kind of wave at me a little bit like that. You know? Okay, then I trust everybody here. You know where you stand with God. Then I want to pray for those right now. You've been going through a rough time. You feel like you've been forgotten by God, even though in your head you know He hasn't forgotten. But boy, how many of you know your head and, and your heart, they wrestle? Come on now. One minute you're feeling good, next minute you feel like you've been lost. You know, you've been cast aside. Am I talking to anybody in here? And, and, and you, you, you feel like that's where you're at right now. You, you've just had a hard time. You felt cast aside. You felt like let loose, like God forgot you. And I remember one time I was praying as a teenager, I was praying. And I felt that way. I felt I was just crying out to God, kneeling next to my bed, weeping, sobbing like crazy. I was 16 years old. And I said, God, you've just forgotten me. And all of a sudden, my, in, in, in my spirit, I saw a guy walk up like in a deli and take the number. How many of you know what I... Maybe you don't know that about delis up in the Northeast. That's the way it was. How many have been to the DMV and taken the number? And you look at your number and look at this thing up there and you go, we're going to be here a while. Well, I grew up and, and I saw that. And I took my number and I felt like I'd been reduced to a number. And I just broke down crying next to my bed and I began to weep. And all of a sudden, I saw that number on that piece of paper change. It took my first name, Bob. And it's like I heard the person say, Bob, next. And I just began to weep. And I began to pour out my heart. You ever just pour out your heart? Come on now. Just pour out your heart because you got to let it go. I know I'm talking to somebody. I began to pour out my heart. I'd locked the door so my two brothers couldn't come in the, the bedroom. It was me and God. And all of a sudden, it's like I saw my words going up through the heavens. My pouring out, my sadness, my tears, all going through the heavens. And all of a sudden, it entered into the very throne room of God brother tiger it was my words my crying my sorrow and 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 there was rejoicing in the presence of the father and Jesus and all of a sudden my words got to the father's ear and when it got to his ear my words changed to musical notes and it's like I heard I saw the father go silence my son is singing my song. I wasn't singing a song. It was a heart cry. But it was a song of my heavenly father. And he let me know that I was important. And I feel like there's some of you today, you're in that place right now. And God wants you to know he knows your name. And if I'm speaking to you, would you boldly just stand right where you're at so we can pray for you? Right where you're at. There's one in the back. Anybody else? One right here. Anybody else? 
Another one right there. Anyone else? Right back there in the corner. Hand raised. Anyone? You may not be able to stand. Raise your hand. That's fine. Understand. Another one right there. Another one. I don't want you walking out of here feeling that way. I want you to walk out knowing that God knows your name. He knows the circumstance. Thank you, brother. Another one right there. He knows your situation. He knows. He knows. Anyone else? We're going to pray. I'm not going to drag this out. There's another one. Thank you for being obedient. Why carry this back out with you when he wants to take it off? The Bible says he will exchange mourning for dancing. He'll give you beauty for ashes. Why take ashes home? Why take mourning home? He knows your name. Anyone else? You're seated right where you're at. I want you to just look around. You see someone with their hand raised or they're standing. Would you just stretch your hand towards them right now? And let's pray. Just stretch your hand towards them right now and pray for them. Just pray. You're not alone. You're not forgotten. He knows you by name. You didn't come this morning by accident. The Bible says he draws each and every one of us by the Spirit of God. We pray for him right now, Father. In Jesus' name, we exchange this heavy load, this grief, this, this sense of forgottenness. We let it go right now in the name of Jesus. Let them be made whole, complete, filled, assured, confident. All things, say all things, everyone, all things, all things, all things, all things. You've been saying, why are all these things happening? God says, I take all things. Oh, I feel that in my heart so much. All things. Right now, in the tangle of things in your life, God is untangling it. And He's working it together for your good, for His divine purposes. All things. He knows your name. In fact, I'd like everyone in here that if you know this you believe this would you just say he knows my name he knows my name say it again he knows my name he knows my name he does he knows it and we thank you father he who began a good work in you 
is able to complete it. He's faithful and able to complete it. He's not done with you yet. <laughs> He's not done with you yet. That could be a song, right? He's not done with me yet. Come on, come on, come on. He's not done with me yet. Jesus. I see hurts from the past being healed. I see words that have inflicted soul pain being surgically removed. He's not done with me yet. He's not done with me yet. He's not done with me yet. You say, but I'm so old. He's not done with you yet. He's not done with you yet. Oh, mighty God. Come on. Come on, church. Come on. Come on, church. Let's worship him now. Come on. Let's praise him right now. You know my name. Yes, Lord. You know my name. Oh, how he walks with me. Yes, Lord. And oh, how he talks with me. You know my name. My name. Your name, Lord. I'm not a stranger to you, Lord. You know my You know, you know my, oh my name. Oh, how he walks with me. Oh, how he talks with me. Yes, Lord. So good, Lord. Money. Hallelujah. Father, we love you and we praise you. We praise you, Lord. You sought us out. We didn't deserve it. We can't earn it. Your goodness and your mercy, they follow us every place they go before us beside us behind us you were there working your work in and through us for your praise and your glory some of you have been under attack spiritually the scripture I read in Numbers chapter 10 verse 9 you need to memorize it when you are in the land 
your land and oppressed by an enemy in your land you sound that trumpet you say well what's the trumpet your praise you sound your praise and God will come and fight your enemies God will come I said God will come he has a covenant we talked about it last week he has a covenant relationship with you you have a covenant relationship with him hallelujah let's stand together praise you Lord Jesus you know our name Lord and you have We praise you, Lord. Be. And you have seen And you will see Thank you, Lord. And you know when I rise And when I fall Still you know me out of this place today I pray Lord God let the comfort of your word the comfort of your presence go with each and every one Lord let them be reminded through this day and every day that you allow us to live on this earth God that you know our name you know our name thank you Father Pray this in the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. You know Amen. If you need special prayer for anything, come, please let us pray for you. Don't forget to sign up if you want to be water baptized, if you want to volunteer in a couple of weeks in any of those other areas, please sign up. God bless you.
You are 